twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, there were code violations, and look, there's a mouse. The building was falling down due to years of uncare, but the landlord didn't give a shit as long as the rent check was there. That's, that's all I got to tie it into the holiday spirit, ho 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 and all that. <laughs> Yo, uh, the best part of doing a podcast is bringing to light this amazing thing that happened over the weekend and also dunking on landlords because they are parasites. But first, before we get into all that, welcome to Red Leg Revolution, a show about community. I'm your host, Commandant Dubs. And today we're going to talk about coups of Facebook groups. Wow, that came out weird. And landlords and why they suck. I might even throw in a little quick information about Chairman Mao because I had more than a few people say they didn't know what was up with Mao. But first off, I want to start with what happened this past weekend. A tale of a person named Ashley. Yo, Ashley, hope you're listening to this. Okay, so there was a group based out of Canada that was for landlords to discuss potentially illegally. They were keeping a list of what they considered bad tenants for whatever reason. It could have been non-payment of rent. It could have been they said they damaged something. It could just be that they didn't like them or their politics. I wouldn't put it past landlords. So this landlord group, again, out in Canada, apparently had some sort of very minor drama with a few renters last week. And the owner, Ada, said that she was going to need help moderating the group or she'd have to close it down. Enter Ashley with Operation Steal the Group. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have a better chance to come up with a, a joke for that. But anyway, so Ashley was like, hey, homie, I can help out. So she woke up Saturday morning to the admin power added to her on that page. After realizing the power she now wielded, she promptly locked down the group, kicked out the moderators, and changed the group photo, changed the group name to Tenants Rights Group, and proceeded to go to work. I don't remember how I stumbled on this group. I know it was really, really early, and I was lucky enough to volunteer to be a moderator right after Ashley took over, and she gave me power, and now I've got a shiny new band hammer. So, but it's great. She takes over the group, and we start spreading it in leftist spaces online. A big shout out to woke ass culture wagons and uh, veterans of leftist infighting on Facebook for, at least that's where I dropped the group and the tale of what was going on. So it started to make the rounds in comrade spaces and has really been growing. In the past 48 hours, we've grown almost a thousand members. And it went from being a place where landlords could dog on their tenants and figure out illegal ways to defeat things like giving us our security deposits back or evicting people who hadn't done anything wrong. And now 
It's a place for us tenants to organize, to discuss legal strategy, to fight back against these landlords, to post memes, and to dunk on all the landlords who are still there. It's it's pretty glorious. Uh, Ashley did something great here, and I'm hoping that it only grows. And I know that we've been discussing how we can turn this energy into some real-world action. We'd love to hear input on that. So if you're on that page, again, it's Tenants Rights Group on the Book of Faces. And come on and join us, and then you can also join in the discourse about how best to take this energy and convert it to boots on the ground. So yeah, that happened, and that was really cool, and I'm pretty stoked about it. So one of the first things that I did once I became a mod and we started to blow up was to add some questions to uh, the admittance thing. Wow, I'm spacing the words right now. Add some admittance questions. And one of those questions was Mao right about landlords. So I had a few people and some other groups mention that they didn't know anything about Mao Zedong and weren't sure how to answer that. And so I, I eventually changed it. It's a much funnier question now. So if you're a new joiner, enjoy filling that out. But I just, when I mention Mao, whether it's on this show or in real life, I'm generally talking about how he dealt with landlords in his country. I haven't pulled up a lot of research about this, and I don't want to dedicate a whole bunch of time to Chairman Mao because he was, even is today, among the left, a very controversial figure overall. But one thing that most of us agree with is that when he went and imprisoned and killed all the landlords in China, he was probably doing the world a service. I'm not saying that we should imprison and kill all the landlords in America, maybe just seize their assets and make them get a real job for a living. But So that's why we refer to Mao a lot, particularly when it comes to housing. It's the most extreme option of getting back to the fact that housing is a basic human right. Speaking of it, so there's also a lot of landlords and landlord apologists on this page because we're still weeding them out. And the amount of entitlement from landlords is mind-boggling. I infiltrated a few other landlord groups and just to see what they were doing and saying, and it's, it's disgusting. But I don't think any one of us who has been a tenant would be all that surprised by how they speak of us in their own spaces where they think they're safe, right? They call us names, whatever. They consider us lower than scum. The post that actually brought me to the group was a landlord posting after, shortly after the takeover, saying the scum has risen to the top, time to find another pond. So that tells us a lot about how they think about us. They refuse to acknowledge that they can't exist without the renters. They think they're doing us a service in making homes unavailable. And then want to be 
be all butthurt because we're not treating them like white knights who are saving us from houselessness when in fact they are the ones causing the houselessness it's it's crazy y'all landlords are are not part of the working class i talk a lot about the working class and class solidarity and particularly what constitutes the working class and what doesn't cops aren't working class and landlords aren't working class for two radically different reasons Cops aren't working class because they're enemies of working class. They exist to protect capital and those with capital. A good example is if you get evicted by a landlord, who comes to take possession of the house? It isn't just the landlord. No, it's the landlord and a small army of sheriffs based on your, on your jurisdiction. So the police are there to exist to protect property of those who have it. Landlords they're not working class for another reason they're not working class because they don't work maintaining and operating a rental scheme is not a job you are not producing anything okay all you're doing is getting a return of investment on your income or on your capital and the idea that because they have to maintain their own investment that they are somehow doing us they're doing work is ridiculous to me if you have a 401k that you have control of you know the stocks or you own stocks or whatever not that i think anybody who listens to my show probably carries a lot of stock options but it's not work if you're sitting there moving your stocks around and buy low sell high all that that's that's not work you're not producing anything you're getting investment income and that's a whole nother show about how skewed that system is. But a house is exactly like owning a stock portfolio or gold or anything else that you might own as an investment, as a long-term thing that you hope to make money on. So I really particularly am offended, especially as someone who spent my entire adult life doing home repairs and home maintenance, both for these big apartment companies as well as for myself, and seeing the actual work that goes into maintaining a home, even though I do not own one. The maintenance people are workers. The cleaners are workers. The tenants are workers. But the landlords, no. It's not work to just sit there and collect a check because you happen to have the credit or the generational wealth or you're a boomer and you know got paid the equivalent of 50 bucks an hour back in 1962 and were able to buy your house for $50,000, whatever. It's an unfair system and they take advantage of it and then wanna pretend like they're not the cause of the problem. And that's something we really do need to consider. Like, how did we get here? How did we get to a point where even if we had good credit and had a few thousand dollars for a down payment how the housing prices have skyrocketed and we're hitting bubble points or the fact that so many properties are being converted to like airbnbs and are taken off the market driving up the price of everything else and don't even get me started on quote unquote market rate market rate is essentially landlords arbitrarily being like well this is what this should pay for and as soon as one does it the next one's like well he's renting for 1200 
I guess that's how much in this neighborhood, you know, housing in this neighborhood costs. So we'll rent for twelve hundred. And before you know it, all the places in an area are renting for twelve hundred. And then the first landlord's like, well, I can charge twelve fifty. And then it all goes up like that. They justify it by saying, oh, our costs are increasing or our taxes are increasing. But it's all crap. They're making so much profit on our our living, on our existing, that it's really particularly evil that they base it on market rate and that it's not tied into the average wage for the area. I'd be a bit more of a fan of the concept of market rate if it was capped by law with some sort of rent control. But again, this is America. (laughs) I do know that, well, I'm getting to know, thanks to the fact that this was a Canadian-based group to begin with, one of the fun things I'm really enjoying is sharing the differences between Canadian tenant law and American tenant law and having our Canadian comrades being like, wait, what? When I tell them how bad things are in America, we have, again, a lot of people up in Canada who are telling me about their tenant boards and their eviction laws and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking of that meme where the kids like, wait, you guys are getting paid. We're like over here like, wait, you guys have protections? Because in America, we don't. And, and it's messed up. And the reason why we don't have protections is like so many other things in this country, tied directly into the two-party system. How does the two-party system screw us over on housing? A lot of people will have you believe that the Democrats are on the side of the working class and the Republicans are on the side of big business. But the truth of the matter is they're both on the side of big business. Republicans are honest about the fact that they're on the side of big business. Democrats are disingenuous and performative when it comes to fighting on behalf of the working class. They don't actually do anything. They like to posture and pretend that they do so that people will vote for them. But at the end of the day, they're getting the same donations from Wall Street investment firms, from big housing conglomerates, and from particularly rich landlords, individual landlords, when you get down to a more of a local level. Both parties get these donations. Both parties are lobbied for keeping our tenant laws here in America skewed toward the landlords. And given the fact that America has this whole mistaken Protestant work ethics that we've had through our founding, the courts tend to not want to ever take the side of, of the renter. And a great example of this was during the pandemic that is still going on. Please mask up. I've got immunocompromised friends who would like to remind you that their lives matter. But I digress. During the pandemic, we had a eviction moratorium here in America, which was nice. It was for a minute seemed like the government actually cared to a degree. But as soon as they could, they ended that under Biden. I want to make that very clear. We're talking after 45 was out of office and Biden ended the ended the moratorium and we saw record evictions post-pandemic. Record evictions that probably wouldn't have happened if the federal government had actually made steps to intervene during the pandemic and 
did something drastic, whether that was pay everybody's rent while lockdowns were going on, or my preferred method declared that housing is a human right and seized all the housing to form collectives and such. But instead, they put a moratorium on. They didn't freeze rent increases during that. And people's rent just stacked up, stacked up, stacked up. And this was under a Democrat president and Democrat leadership. Now, where I'm located at in the state of Kansas, our governor was smart enough to accept a bunch of pandemic relief funds and set up the Kansas Emergency Rental Assistance Program, which just recently ran out of its funding because it was a temporary program and now is no longer in existence. But that was a good use of money, and I have my problems with Laura Kelly, but I will say that accepting that money and setting that program up was a very good choice. And what that program did was you could apply and get rental assistance, assistance on gas, assistance on electricity, and it went slow to process through, but it did good work. I was able to take advantage of the program for like nine months, and, and that's good. I'm an independent contractor, work has been really hit or miss since the pandemic. Seems like things are starting to pick back up, but at the moment, or in the past year, it's been feast or famine, and I would probably be couch surfing if it wasn't for the assistance of the CARA group. So I would like to see, at the bare minimum, something along those lines, where everybody's going to get a voucher that covers their house. Let's expand Section 8 to everybody who doesn't own a house and see what happens. Like, ultimately, here in America, and I'm not sure how this applies elsewhere in the world, but we have more empty buildings than we do homeless. And it's been proven scientifically time and time again that it is cheaper for a society to literally house the homeless than to do everything that we do to prevent homelessness, like panhandling laws, anti-homeless architecture, sweeping of camps right before cold snaps. Yeah, that reminds me, a few years ago up in KC, there was a tenant camp, or a uh, houseless person camp, that the Kansas City police officers decided to sweep and demolish the day before a massive cold front came through. And I'm not talking like they gave them warning and stuff. They just showed up and threw all these people's warming things away. So what happens to these people when they're stuck in extreme cold? What happens to anyone when they're stuck in extreme cold? You freeze to death, right? So our housing policies directly lead to death. We talk a lot about how communism killed this many from the, this famine or this action Stalin did. But I really don't think we consider things like the deaths from capitalism from situations like I just described. Capitalism is inherently evil, and it's demonstrated in the housing market. So, I'm sure I got some more stuff to say about all this, but I need to go do some quick research and figure out where I was going to go on this. By the way, I did have a script for this episode. I pulled it up and started to read it and realized that it kind of went more into gentrification, which we will touch on briefly. 
but didn't really go the angle I wanted to on this episode, so I'm just kind of free-balling it and ad-libbing. Where are my backup singers? Anyway, I'm going to run some ads. People who have not listened to my show before, I am not sponsored by any company outside of that little ad for Anchor you heard at the beginning. The ads I run during my show are for community groups that I support and I endorse. And if you're part of a community group anywhere, feel free to get in my DMs and see if maybe I can run an ad for you and your organization for free. I don't charge for my organizing ads. It is part of the service that I am providing. And plus, I do this mainly for its activism benefit, not for financial benefit. Although I do occasionally ask for donations to get better gear so I can do a better job. Anyway, I will be back in a few minutes with some more reasons landlords suck. But first, here's some ads. I just got my hours cut again? How can I pay my bills? Yeah, it sucks, especially since they only pay us minimum wage. But what can we do? Solidarity Man. That's right, fellow workers, it is I, Solidarity Man, champion of the working class, and it sounds like you need a union. A union? That's right. What power on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? So, a union makes us strong? That's right. Alone, you can do little to change your situation, but together, you can move mountains, and the industrial workers of the world are here to help. Huh? The IWW is a union for all workers, no matter the trade, job, or career, and we want to organize your workplace. Wow. Where can we find the IWW? In your hometown. The IWW has branches all over the world. Check out IWW.org to find your local membership board or join as an at-large member and start your own chapter. After all, our greatest superpower is working together. I must go. I hear another exploited worker calling for help. But remember, the working class and the employing class have nothing in common. Away! Deep in the swamps of Florida. Honey is... That a new plant? He dwells, waiting. Where did those seeds come from, honey? Silently. Oh my god, what is that thing? Sending seeds and stickers across the country. Ah! And spreading solidarity. Have you lost your mind, honey? We can't move to a sustainable commune in upstate New York. What's wrong with you lately? There's no stopping him. The Mighty Skunk Ape is on Facebook, and he's on a mission. Anarchy! No! Coming to a post office box near you, the Skunk Ape Liberation Union. Hey, capitalism sucks, but Revolution Records, Kansas City's old-school record and bookstore, is part of my community. When I'm in Kansas City and need a book or a copy of a local band's album, I go to Revolution Records. Revolution has a great selection of posters, books, records, tapes, and zines. Plus, they repair music and sound gear. That's pretty dope. Most importantly, Revolution Records is part of the community beyond being a small business. The staff does a great job maintaining an inclusive, accepting, and respectful atmosphere, and they also are active in making Kansas City a better place. 
Community fundraisers, workshops, events, and meetings all have taken place at Revolution Records, and that's just the stuff I was involved in. So the next time you need a new record to spin or your speaker breaks, go check out Revolution Records, located 1830 Locust Street, Kansas City, Missouri, or at revolutionrecordskc.com. Okay, so we already established, you know, landlords suck. So I want to share a few anecdotes from my own personal life, mainly because there are a lot of landlords on the tenants' rights groups who are sharing personal anecdotes and pretending like that is the situation that goes for everyone. So I want to go ahead and, well, first off, I know a landlord in real life who is who inherited a house and let someone live in there for way below market rent and did all sorts of extra repairs to keep them happy. And like, there's a lot of moral quandary involved in that. And I just want that one person who I do know, at least used to listen to my podcast that, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about you when I talk about landlords since you kind of just stumbled into that situation and as soon as that tenant who you were taking care of went ahead and moved out to move in with family and help out with family stuff you're putting that house on the market because you understand that hoarding homes is not a good thing so that's something to take to the bank there are ways that people who own extra homes can get those back in the market and help renters own homes and I just want you to know that you know this this isn't going toward you because you're doing the right thing so anyway a few stories from my personal life dealing with landlords there was the landlord who went ahead and illegally entered one of my places while I was in the midst of having sexy fun time because he didn't recognize the car parked out in front of the house no knock, just opened the door, came in, didn't realize he was violating all sorts of tenant codes, probably didn't care even if he did in fact know. <clears throat> and then there was the landlord that I am currently renting from who <laughs> is a noted slumlord in my area. I didn't know this before I rented this place, but owns all sorts of properties falling apart. Like, for example, last summer, my ceiling had a leak in it. It's had a leak in it, an intermittent leak, since I moved in. I had mentioned it in the inspection checklist, as well as through multiple emails going, hey, this stain on my ceiling seems to be getting bigger. It turns out it was, I live in a split level, and it turns out that it was condensation water from the air conditioner uh, the condensate pan was blocked up. So every time the upstairs neighbor ran the air conditioner, water would get in my ceiling. I live in the middle of the United States. It gets pretty hot even before global warming. It got pretty hot here. <clears throat> so we all ran our air conditioners pretty constantly. So one day I noticed that the stain had turned into a small bubble. I emailed the landlord and go, hey, it's about to start leaking in my apartment. She's like, okay, well, I'll send somebody out at some point. I waited a week as the bubble slowly grew and grew and grew until it was over a foot across in diameter and dropping down at least eight inches from the ceiling. 
I again I'm a contractor I do a lot of drywall work so I went ahead and popped the bubble before it could leak all over my home studio and all my expensive recording gear I went in and popped the bubble and let it drain out and it was a waterfall draining out for probably a good 10 minutes I took a video I sent it to my landlord who still dragged her feet on getting the getting that repaired she apparently had sent her maintenance guy out twice before since i moved in to quote unquote fix it but being a maintenance guy and not an actual hvac guy he never actually repaired it he did what she probably told him to do which was temporarily fix the problem instead of permanently fixing the problem so after two weeks of having to deal with a bucket collecting water in my apartment she finally got an actual HVAC company out and they went ahead and took care of it and it hasn't been a problem since but it was two weeks of it raining in my apartment another story about my current landlord back in February I had never missed a rent payment never been late on a rent payment I came home from work one day to find an eviction notice on my door. I did a double take and was like, what the hell? I've paid all my rent. How am I getting evicted? So I start looking through the legal papers, and it turns out that she is not the owner of this property, which is how she presented herself when we were touring it. It turns out that she is subleasing it from a local property management ownership company, and Despite the fact that I had paid her over $3,500 in rent for the past three months, she hadn't paid her rent to the property management company. And due to that, they were terminating her tenancy, so to speak, and indirectly terminating mine. That's how messed up the system is in America. I didn't even know this company owned this property. I had never done any work with this property. I had never signed any contracts with this property but I potentially faced houselessness because my landlord sucks at being a landlord. That's, that's the way things are. So when we talk about how all landlords are bastards or we're gonna build them a wall or whatever, it's the fact that things like my current landlord, that's the system. Yes, there may be forgiving landlords, there may be landlords that are helping or take care of their property or take care of their tenants or whatever, but the system itself is skewed toward landlords like mine. Landlords who do not take care of their property, who do not consider the life impact of their tenants, who are in it to make money. And just like all capitalists, it doesn't matter what happens to the people that's left in the destructive wake. It's all about, I'm gonna make mine. So it's, yeah. I'm not telling y'all anything that you don't already know. If you live in America and you're a renter, I'm sure you have your own horror stories about things that aren't getting fixed or rent payments that are lost or bullshit fees, all that, what have you. So another thing I wanted to mention from my own personal life, I spent a good couple years as a maintenance guy for a local property management company. They owned like six apartment complexes of over 400 units. They had their own HVAC wing. They had their own carpentry wing. They were, they're pretty big in my region and I was their maintenance guy. And at the time they paid me 12 bucks an hour. This was back in like 2011. 
So I hated that job. On one hand, I really enjoyed the ability to learn how to work on on buildings. But on the other hand, a drip pan was actually a very big radicalizing force for me. You see, a drip pan on a electric stove costs about $5. If you go to the dollar store, go to the hardware store, $5. Takes you, as a maintenance guy, about 30 seconds to switch out a dirty drip pan for a new one. You pull the heating element, you pull the pan, you put the new pan in, you put the heating element back in. It's literally like plugging in a plug. So I could theoretically change you know, 120 drip pans in an hour at five bucks a piece, yet they charge on a move-out inspection $40 to change the drip pan. Now again, I could get a lot of these drip pans changed in a short amount of time, and they're not that expensive, and I, as the maintenance guy, certainly wasn't getting a fair portion of that money they extorted from their previous tenants. And when I realized that, it really kind of killed my my verve for working in that industry. It became very quickly obvious to me that I was part of the system that was helping exploit people in the exact same situation that I'm in. And and again, that's that's just how it goes here, right? So what can we do to fight back against landlords? Obviously, like getting money together and owning our own home isn't really an option for Americans, at least of my generation and younger. With the rising rates of, of home costs with the, due to things like Airbnbs and landlords buying up all the extra houses, coupled with the fact that very few of us are getting paid a living wage to where we can afford to exist, let alone save for a house, So the idea that we can just jump out of the renter's market isn't possible. So we need to start thinking about solutions within our realm of reason. And this is is gonna look like tenant co-ops. This is going to look like things like rent strikes. This is going to be things like tenant unions. If I went, if I managed to go and find every one of my landlord's tenants and say that, or organize to where we're not going to pay rent until XYZ happens, then yes, my landlord would take me to court and everyone to court. But as I figured out from that whatever eviction a few months ago, she's barely hanging on financially and maintaining her legal hold on this property. And if we were to all be like, you know what, we're just not paying you this month. If you own 10 homes and you're renting them for a thousand bucks a piece, that's 10,000 bucks a month. If your mortgage on those homes is 6,000 altogether, then you're, you're going to eventually lose your homes. And yeah, you may screw up my life, but I can screw up yours too. <laughs> so rent strikes are awesome and tenant unions are awesome. I can't stress enough how important it is to collectively join to do action like this because again as in so many other elements of our existence whether it's work or whatever other social cause one person can only do so much one finger can poke somebody but a fist can punch somebody so we have to work together we have to find our solidarity we have to put our differences and things like political philosophy 
or race, gender, sexuality, all that stuff, we have to kind of like backburner that for a second and work together. And this isn't to say that the people who are being oppressed need to be the ones making that effort. It needs to be people like me, people who have a lot of privilege, giving up some space so that those people feel comfortable organizing in the same spaces with us. Because without solidarity, this isn't going to go anywhere. We are literally just spinning our wheels watching the world burn. Speaking of solidarity, here in my area, we have a wonderful group started a few years ago called KC Tenants. It's a tenant organization that's done a lot of actions in Kansas City on behalf of tenants. They managed to get some new tenant laws passed. I'm not sure how they're playing out now because I moved out of KC, but I do know that they were instrumental in getting those passed. They are led by a very impressive cadre of good organizers that a lot of which I have done work with in other realms in the trenches and speak very highly of them. If you're in the KC area and you're not already aware of KC Tenants, I highly encourage you to find them on Facebook at KC Tenants or online at kctenants.org and see how they can go about maybe helping you or how you can go about helping other tenants get some power back because that's, that's what ultimately we need is to get the power back. Speaking of power, one of the other reasons that landlords suck is the inordinate amount of power somebody you enter a business contract into has over you as a renter. If you start a business with somebody, they're probably not going to include a bunch of things that affect your everyday existence. They're gonna talk about money, they're gonna talk about how that money is used, how things are going to be paid, etc. But if I were to do a corporate takeover of some business, they're not going to tell me I can't have cats in my home. There's a viral landlord post about a landlord who was complaining that his tenants were cooking with spices and smelling up the house and didn't want them to use the kitchen for cooking, only eating. And that's, you can't paint your house, you can't have a pet that, you can't have a pet, you can't change anything without express approval from the landlord. This is not a type of power, and that's not even talking about the fact that you they can make you houseless for any reason at any time. This is not the type of power anyone should have in a business situation, which what it boils down to, that's what renting is. And it's not a business situation we enter into by choice. A lot of landlords say that we are choosing to rent, but it's not a choice. If we can't afford houses because we're not getting paid enough and the houses are too expensive, where else are we going to go? It's currently 35 degrees outside where I'm recording this. So I'm not just going to go live outside. I mean, personally, I could. I do a lot of backpacking and outdoorsy stuff, but not everybody's like that. And one other thing that is mentioned a lot when we're discussing tenants is that not everybody wants to own. And this is true. There are people who have no desire to own their own home. And that's fine. There are totally situations where we can get to the point where people don't have to own but can still have housing. Co-ops are a great example of that. And so I, I think it's kind of disingenuous to say that that's the reason we need landlords because, again, the whole system is so skewed. There is no, like, good way to be a landlord. And 
that's just the way it is. I wanted to close out with one other story from my personal life that highlights how important it is to know your local tenant laws. So first off, I encourage you to find your state or your province, if you're in Canada, uh, find their local tenant laws and give them a look over. They detail a lot of things and landlords frequently take advantage of the fact that the average layperson doesn't know how to look up a law. And so they do all sorts of illegal stuff that you can get repercussions for. For example, when my ex-wife and I divorced back in 2016, I got my own place and lived there for two years. When I moved out, I emailed the property manager. I scheduled a walkout inspection so that we could walk through the, the apartment together and make sure everything was fixed. I did it via email. Always do things via email or text so there's a paper trail. Anyway, the day of the inspection, I showed up a half hour early and started running my camera. I proceeded to run it until 10.30 when nobody had showed up for 10 o'clock appointment. So I had proof that the manager did not follow through with the inspection, which under Kansas law has to happen or you can't charge a deposit or keep a deposit. Even better, if you violate this law, you have to return the deposit plus half of what the deposit was as damages. So I went in there the next Monday and talked to the, another manager and was like, I need my deposit back. No, actually, I remember now, I waited 30 days because they have 30 days to send it. And then on the 31st day, I went down there and was like, hey, I want my deposit back. And the lady was like, well, we can't really give it to you back. And I was like, okay, well, I have proof that I scheduled a walkout interview and your representative didn't show up. And under Kansas law, you not only owe me my deposit, you owe me half of what I paid for a deposit. So I'd paid $600. So I'm like, you guys owe me 900 bucks. And I have proof to back this up. And the manager was like, huh, what proof do you have? So I busted out my phone, showed her the emails, showed her the video. She sheepishly goes, can you send those to me? And I'm like, yeah. I send them to her. And she calls me a little while later. and like, when do you want to come get your check? So I managed to actually make money on my deposit. And that's a rare thing for a tenant. But I was able to do it because I have researched my local tenant laws and I have some friends who are lawyers who also help me look them over. And I was able to utilize the law that is made explicitly for them against them. The tenant protections in Kansas law are few and far between. It's very much written skewed toward the landlords, but that was one that made it in. And I took advantage of it. So a good way that we can help organize is just being cognizant of these laws and making sure other people are aware of the laws in their state when things happen. Since that time, I've helped more than a few of my local comrades fight back against having their deposits illegally taken under those same grounds. So I, I can't stress enough how important it is to form cooperative situations as well as knowing your local laws so that you can take advantage of these local laws as much as you can. So there's a lot more we could be getting on to about housing. I may do another episode for my next one. I'm talking things about like gentrification and 
you know, how landlords manage to amass so many houses and how the market works and all that. But for right now, I just wanted to kind of leave it at why landlords are bastards and what happened over the weekend, because look at me, we're the landlords now. <laughs> anyway, this is Red Leg Revolution, a show about community. You can find us on your favorite podcasting app or on Google and Apple and Spotify and all that other good stuff. So like us, share us, subscribe to us, five stars, or else I'm raising your rent. <laughs> uh, and you can find us on social media at Red Leg Revolution on YouTube and on Facebook and Red Leg Pod on Twitter. And if you're interested in helping me get some better equipment so that I can continue helping organize the community around me, uh, might check out our Patreon at Red Leg Pod. No matter what you do, just get together with one another, offer solidarity and mutual aid. Eventually this bubble's going to burst and hopefully we'll figure out a good way that we can all have homes. But we can't do it by ourselves because after all, our only hope is each other. I'm out. Deuces. Thank you.